Hey, hey, hey! Exciting news! Do you ever look in the mirror or at a photograph of yourself or put on some clothes? Or rather, don't put on some clothes because the clothes you really want to wear are hanging in the cupboard or buried in some bag at the back of the cupboard and your heart sort of sinks and you think... I know, I know I need to do different things. I know I need to do something different to lose the weight, to get healthy, to do all the stuff I want to get to, to what Dr. Alina calls healthy, amazing you. And yet somehow I can't do it. You, my friend, have what is called a doing gap. It's not a knowledge gap. It's a doing gap because you're busy and you've got other stuff going on. So the Radiate and Renew program starting, drum roll please, next week, we're kicking off on Tuesday next week. It's super exciting. You will learn to do four small but mighty habits that you are going to enjoy and it's going to be easy. Now the idea of this, there's two ideas behind it. Number one, you do the habits, in a year's time you've still got the habits and they really have moved the needle. You know, you're really doing things slightly differently. But also, once you start doing things differently, you realise that you can carry on doing things differently. And so you might decide, hey, I'm going to do the reboot or I'm going to do something else and I'm really going to get to the bottom of this goal. I'm going to reach my goal. So if you are interested, if you'd like some help and support, Radiate and Renew starts on Tuesday. I will leave the link in the show notes. Welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Carrick. I teach busy mums who are trying to juggle everything to transform their lives, to lose weight and lead a healthy life so they can feel fit and fabulous. On the Fit and Fabulous podcast, we chat about nutrition, healthy living, emotional wellness in a way that you can apply to your life. I'll show you how to stop being frustrated and overwhelmed with healthy living and how to make it fun and easy. You're invited to sign up to my free New Me workshop. Change your mindset to healthy living in five days. Get to the bottom of those I can't do it thoughts and transform them into wow, it's so easy and fun. You can sign up at drorlina.com slash new me. That's doctor, D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com slash new line in the middle, me. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina. I hope you are feeling fit and fabulous. It's a sunny day here in Spain and I am super excited to be talking to you about alcohol and sobriety. Now, you might be thinking, what are you talking about alcohol for? This is about feeling fit and fabulous. Well, you know me, I'm all about the health benefits. And one thing I really see is that Society has normalised alcohol. Don't get me wrong. I love a glass of wine from time to time and I have done my fair share of drinking in the past. I think a little bit more than my fair share of drinking in the past. But one thing I think people really don't want to hear is that alcohol is bad for you. It is not good for you. It is bad for all parts of your body. And we touched upon this with Vary when we talked about cancer and diet. And I told the story of how when I was a house officer, a junior doctor, the consultant said to me, it's not that some people are unlucky when they get liver disease or problems related to alcohol. It's actually quite amazing that 
as a society, we manage to drink so much alcohol and it doesn't do more damage to us. So my big message is alcohol is not good for us. And when we can reduce and exclude alcohol, there are so many health benefits. And another really amazing benefit is about feeling fit and fabulous. And we touch upon this in the interview with Rebecca about emotions and that it's actually really difficult to feel fit and fabulous if you aren't in touch with your emotions and you don't really understand how to manage your emotions. So today I am super excited to welcome Rebecca Weller who is from Australia and she has an amazing story to tell us. She is an author of a book called The Happier Hour and I really recommend that you read it. Whether you are thinking of cutting back on alcohol or not, it is really a very interesting and compelling story. She also has a blog called The Sexy Sobriety, sorry, Sexy Sobriety, and she has an online course which helps people who want to give up alcohol, and she tells us her story and goes through her story, and she uses all these tips to help other people. So let's dive in. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous. I am super excited to welcome Rebecca Weller here today. Today we're talking about sobriety and it's a really interesting topic. First of all, Rebecca, I want to congratulate you on your book. It is an amazing read. You had me in tears, I have to confess. And it was a page turner too, so congratulations. Thank you so much, Orlina. It's so lovely to be here. Yes, and for those of you who are listening, I don't know, somewhere... We're covering all expanses of the world because I am in Spain, in Europe, and Rebecca is in Perth. So if there's any sound delays or any problems, that's the reason why. (laughs) (laughs) The other side of the planet. I know, it's amazing. Technology is just amazing, isn't it? So let's dive in. And Rebecca, tell us about your story. It's your story, so I'm just going to let you tell it. (laughs) Well, yes, I mean, I've had quite the journey. Um, Five years ago, I was working in the corporate world as a cost engineer for a global oil and gas company. And so it was a very, very different situation for me. And there we had a lot of corporate events and I was doing a lot of socializing and I was um, drinking quite a lot. And when I think back to where my drinking all began, it was probably when I was about 16 and I discovered that it could take me from this shy, introverted girl that I always was into this outgoing woman that I thought I wanted to be. And I thought it was some sort of magical potion. And so I used it over the years to ease social anxiety, to have more confidence. But at that time, at that time, presumably, you didn't realize that's what you were doing. Of course not, no. That awareness only came much, much later. Yeah. (laughs) So at the time, time I I mean, I remember having one of my first drinks when I was uh, a teenager and thinking, oh my goodness, people could drink before they go to work and then they would never over their words they would never be anxious about anything and so this was what was going through my mind when I first you know experienced alcohol um but then of course it also comes with all of the baggage it comes with all of the the hangovers and the regrets and the shame and the lost belongings and all of those things that um I experienced through the next you know few, few decades like I really wish that I could say that in my 30s, I stopped drinking, or sorry, in my 20s, I stopped drinking, or when I turned 30, but no, it was sort of like leading up to my 40th birthday, I had been, when I left the corporate world, it was to start a health coaching business, and that was all around 
uh, vegan eating because I was you know, vegan, newly vegan and I wanted to share all of the health benefits that I'd been researching. And I, so I started this journey to help other women to have more energy and to feel better in their lives. And six months into starting this entrepreneurial journey, I remember sitting down in a Skype coaching call with a beautiful uh, session, session with a beautiful client and I remember her saying to me, you know, sometimes when I feel lonely, I drink more. And I heard myself say, well, that's okay. And I was absolutely horrified the minute the words left my lips because I knew that it wasn't okay. It's never okay to numb out or hide from emotions or ourselves with drugs or alcohol or uh, comfort eating or gambling or, you know, any of those um, addictive patterns. So I decided then that I needed to embark on a journey where I sorted this out for once and for all. You know, I was wanting to ha have this health coaching business. Well, then what was I doing still having this binge drinking issue? I believed I had gotten this, um, I'd been working on my uh, emotional eating. I'd been working on so many other aspects and sort of developing self-care techniques and all of these other things throughout my journey to become a health coach. But I still had the drink, uh, binge drinking issue. I still in my mind believed that, well, that's okay because everyone in Australia heavily drinks. You know, everyone's doing it, so it must be okay. But really, I mean, when, when that client looked into my eyes, I knew that it wasn't okay. I also was having relationship problems because my new love, uh, we had just moved in together and he doesn't care for drinking. He thinks it's boring and stupid. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, he, he was sort of saying, why do you feel the need to drink more when we go to these parties, when we go to these events? Like, why why do you have, you know, five, six, seven drinks? And it was through that reflection as well that I started to think, okay, maybe this isn't normal. Maybe there's nothing normal about drinking like normal people. And I embarked on this journey of self-discovery where I decided to have a uh, go on an experiment, to conduct an experiment on myself as to what life might be like without alcohol for three months. And at the time I was terrified because I had this identity that I was very attached to. Even though it wasn't serving me, I was always the first one in line for the champagne. I was the, always the first one getting everyone together to, to have a good time and and. I didn't know who I would be without that sort of drinking uh, identity. And I was also worried that I would lose all of my health coaching clients because if they found out that I had this drinking issue, would they still want to work with me? Like would, would clients want to work with a health coach who was also having this going on? And if they didn't and my health coaching business went under, would I have to go back to the corporate world? and? If the corporate world found out about it, would they hire me back? And so there was a lot of fear around that as well. But I did it. Like I decided, okay, well, I have to try something. And what I've been doing for years is not serving me. So I have to try something different. So I embarked on this experiment, which led me to discover that the very thing that I was afraid of was the thing that was going to set me free. And when I discovered that life was actually better sober, that's when I decided, actually, what if I start helping other women with this as well? You know, I'd already been doing the healthy eating and so on, but, but I was getting more and more questions about sobriety and I thought, okay, what if I can create something that helps them through this? And that is what led me to create Sexy Sobriety. 
uh, an online coaching program and to eventually write my book as well where I wanted to share my story with others so that they felt less alone. And that has led me to helping, uh, having the honour of helping thousands of women worldwide. Fantastic. It's really heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time story. And for me, I think one of the reasons why I was so keen to have you on and to share your story is that this is, it's, it's such a big problem, I think. And I look at, you know, you're in Australia and you said that in your book, read the book. The book is amazing. You should read the book. But um, that, you know, you went to London, which is, you know, I was in Bristol, which is not far from London. And the whole of society in the United Kingdom is very much around alcohol. We go off to university. I was a medical student. They're the worst of all of them. The amount that we binge drink, drank, is just incredible. And to be perfectly honest, it's one of the reasons why I decided to move to Spain, because I didn't want to bring my children up in that culture. Um, it wasn't the only reason, but I think I can see people here with a very different relationship to alcohol than in the United Kingdom. I, I look back at my university years, and I know that some people also went on and had problems with alcohol addiction. A lot of people, naturally, it stopped because they had jobs that they couldn't sustain it children children are a very good way of making you realize that that hangover is just not worth it but I think my point is is that it could have been me or somebody else and it it just happened to be you and you were I don't know how can we put this lucky in one way and unlucky in another way lucky because you've now totally you've used it as a catalyst to totally sort out your life and have a now an amazing life and without that you wouldn't have the life that you have now so I think that to me is just a really powerful powerful message I love that one thing as well that I know about alcohol is after we've had that first glass of alcohol alcohol seems to have this as I think in your book you describe it as another alcohol voice but and I see this when I look back on evenings that I've had and you start off at a sensible, oh, we'll just have a glass of beer, you know, early in the evening. And then you get to, say, late at night and suddenly people are drinking spirits and bottles of wine. And in that last half hour to an hour, they're drinking about 50% of everything. And that alcohol has this this slippery slope, this you have one and you want another one and another one. Absolutely. Because, as you know, it triggers the dopamine response in the brain. And so you're wanting more and also your uh, your impulses are more uh, exposed and also you have less self-control because now you, you have an altered brain chemistry. Now you're wanting to have more drinks. So I think that's so true. And, of course, once your inhibitions are down, once you've had those sort of three or four and over four hours in the beginning of the night, then, of course, yeah, you're much more likely to be like, yeah, of course, let's all we'll go for shots at the end of the night. Oh, those shots. I did not like those shots. <laughs> Bad news. Bad news. <laughs> but there's also a social pressure. Like, I remember I worked in Australia in Brisbane, and I remember people at the end of the night going, have a shot, have a shot, and me going, I don't want a shot, please, I don't want a shot. I know what it will make me feel like. Please don't make me have a shot. And there's just that huge social pressure to conform and just drink it. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it crazy that we feel peer pressure past the age of 15? And yet we do, especially as a society, we're so mixed up when it comes to alcohol. There's so much pressure. And I can imagine what it was like in Brisbane because in Queensland... <laughs> They, they're kind of like, well, you're not Australian if you don't drink. You, you know, you're not, definitely not one of us. And 
it's so ridiculous when you think back to it because you're like, why would I drink shots when I'm about to go home to bed anyway? I'm just going to feel so much worse. But, you know, I totally bought into it as well. Like, I, that was one of the things that I was so afraid of. And I hear this from so many women that when they stop, that society pressure is one of the things that they're most afraid of, that their friends and family and, and associates and colleagues will all pressure them to drink. Which, well, and you touch you know, on this with your book as well and your parents. So how do you, how do you get around that? Mm-hmm. And that is so, so, so tough in the beginning. And so for me, in the beginning, I said, um, I'm on a, like a health challenge and it's a three-month challenge and I just want to see what happens. So that just helped me because, of course, like I was known as the girl with the champagne in her hand. So when I went to all of these events, people are like, what? You're not drinking. Who are you? Get out. And so I would say to them, no, no, I'm just doing this challenge just to see what happens, just to see how I feel. And with enough time, anything becomes the new normal. So mm-hmm. after that three months, I said, well, I'm doing six months now. And they're like, oh, okay, she's doing six months. Then I was like, I'll try nine months. I'll try a year. And I kept moving that goalpost. So then eventually they know me now as the non-drinker. <laughs> that's, just, that's just what I am. That's your um, identity so then, now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Eventually it becomes normal. Um, but in the beginning, you know, I, I did a lot of tricks as well that uh, I think really helped. And one was to have some treats waiting for me, like whether I, wherever I was going, I would set up my home before I went out. So I would go and put fresh sheets on the bed. I would put a lovely book and a scented candle next to my bed. I would put some raw chocolate treats in the in the freezer and have a movie ready so that when I was at the event, if I was struggling with, and I was struggling in the beginning because I didn't know how to socialize sober, like you see, I didn't realize it was a skill like any other that I had to learn, especially after so many decades of drinking. And so during those uh parties and events if I was feeling out of my depth I would think about those treats that I had waiting at home and think okay when I get home I'm going to sink into that bed I'm going to have that raw chocolate I'm going to do all of these things and that made me feel like okay this is all worth it because I've got something to look forward to and likewise I would often make a plan for the next morning where I was going to brunch with a girlfriend or going for an early morning yoga session, something that I was excited about trying. So then I also had that thing to look forward to. It felt like a, a cute little secret where I was like, it's okay, I've got my plan for the morning and this is why, this is why I'm not drinking. Sort of internal motivation. Mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to talk about, which I think comes up very strongly in the book and which we've sort of touched on, but is this idea of emotions and how in society now, we're not so great at feeling our emotions and we may use alcohol or eating or all these other things to not face our emotions. And you talk about this and I can't quite remember the exact line, but you know, you were sort of saying, oh my goodness, there are so many emotions in one day. I think it feels a bit like being a parent, be a parent and oh my goodness, the amount of emotions your children have in one morning. (laughs) How do you cope with those emotions? Gosh, yes. And, the, you know, in the beginning, I could not even name the emotions that I was experiencing. I had no idea what they were. And I think some of that comes from us repressing those emotions when we are drinking. There's a saying that our emotional maturity is stunted at the age that we were when we first started drinking. And I definitely felt that way, like in a lot of my relationships, in my responses to people, in my the way that I handled different situations 
I could definitely see that 16-year-old coming out, you know, with the sort of tantrums and withdrawing affection and, and all of this sort of carry-on. So I definitely resonated with that saying. Um, and so we, we can repress all of these emotions and when we stop drinking, they all come flooding out because there's nowhere to hide. It's 100% reality all the time. It's being completely conscious and present, which can be very uncomfortable and very painful in the beginning. And I remember not even being able to articulate what it was. I remember my love saying to me when I was crying because it was such an emotional roller coaster. He was like, what's wrong? Use your words. And I couldn't even name them. I was just, I had no idea what these emotions were. So many I had never felt before. And it was through that experience, though, that my, I started to develop emotional maturity. I started to see awareness around my patterns of behavior and so on. But when it comes to dealing with those emotions in the beginning, I tried a lot of new techniques. So I did a lot of self-care things like going for a run, going for a walk in nature, uh, doing some emotional freedom technique or some tapping, meditation, taking bubble baths, slowing down, saying no to things, you know, uh, establishing some healthy boundaries, a wealth of self-care tools that I now teach in Sexy Sobriety to help me through that, to help me understand what these emotions were. Journaling was a big one for me too, just getting those emotions down on the page so that I could read it back and start to understand what was going on with me? What was upsetting me? What the triggers were? What the patterns were? Yeah, I think I think it's a really interesting concept. And one of the things I try and teach people about emotions is you need to get the balance right between feeling your emotions. You don't want to be acting on your emotions. So, for example, when you're cross, you don't want to be that toddler kicking and screaming. I have several of them. <laughs> but you don't want to bury them. And it's about feeling your emotions and being, how could we say, not necessarily comfortable with that emotion, but allowing that emotion to be there and then allowing it to pass. And I always think a really good analogy is if you're going down a river, the river of emotions, and you're in a little raft, you can either be swept away by all these emotions and have no control over where your little raft goes, or you can learn to navigate the emotions and understand what's happening. And then you can steer yourself through the stream rather than just being taken wherever your emotion leads you. I love that so much because part of that feeling like we're being swept down the river with no control is what is so terrifying. And I think so often adults, we reach for things that will comfort us because we don't want to deal with that emotion. Like we feel, I know I used to feel uncomfortable emotions coming on and I was like, no, I don't want to deal with that. Now I'll reach for the chocolate. I'll reach for the wine. I'll reach for the remote control. I'll reach for social media to scroll, you know, anything to avoid that emotion and just to completely numb out and not have to deal with it. So, you know, I love that analogy of becoming better boatmen. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And I think you're, you're totally right, this fear of emotion. And what happens when you just sit with your emotion? It's like watching a scary movie. And you're watching a scary movie and you feel fear because it's a movie. And that's kind of the point. And then you turn it off and then you feel a little bit scared and then it disappears. And I think that's the same with all emotions that we just feel. They're just feelings in our body. And then they just go away but the danger is when we start acting on them. So, you know, we feel out of control. If I get cross, am I going to break something or hurt someone? And it's that 
that being scared of our own selves, I think, is one component of why we're scared of our own emotions. Exactly. And it can be so foreign to us to actually sit with them. Like I find that so many of my clients, that's what they're most afraid of if they sit down to try meditation for the first time, is being alone with themselves, being alone with their thoughts and potentially emotions coming up. But it's funny because throughout this experience, what I've learned is that sitting with them, like you say, is so um, such a great way to navigate them and to be the calm in the storm because when we sit with them, we they tend to pass on a, a lot more quickly. So now I sit and I'm like, if I feel start to feel anxiety or something that I'm not sure what it is, I sit down for a minute, I breathe, and I'm like, okay, what is it? <laughs> Come forward. Come show yourself. Let me see what's happening here. And you know, that can really help me to just break it down and to let it pass on more quickly. I remember one of our interviewees in the program, she also said, uh, emotions are like clouds across the sky. They're transient, so they just move across. So just wait, and you, you might have a stormy day tomorrow, today, and you may have a sunshiny day tomorrow. I love that. That's a really, really lovely analogy. And I love sitting and watching the clouds as well and thinking, how long is it going to take for it to cross the sky? <laughs> so I will think love that it. next time I'm bombarded with emotions. Rebecca, it's been so lovely chatting to you. Do you have any last words that you want to share with us? I suppose one of the biggest things I'd love to share is just that one of my favorite sayings is if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. So no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what health challenges or new challenges you want to take on, just remembering that it's okay for it to be uncomfortable. It's okay for it to be scary and confronting because that's where the magic happens. That's where the growth happens. So I wish for you all the challenges that bring you that beautiful growth. There you have it. A huge thank you to Rebecca for coming and taking the time to chat to us. I hope that you grasped her message that change can be difficult. And when we are confronted with this change, that's when beautiful things happen. If we carry on doing exactly the same thing, we're going to get exactly the same results. If you want to find out more about Rebecca and her program, her website is sexysobriety.com.au and I will leave a link in the show notes. And she has a free gift for people so you can sign up for a free chapter of her book. And it's a really amazing book. I really recommend reading it. And also when you sign up, you get a screening of one of her most popular coaching videos entirely for free. So go and check her out. Goodbye and see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina. If you enjoyed it, I would be really grateful if you could share it with a friend. Every time you share a podcast episode with a friend, it helps me to reach and help more people. Remember, you're welcome to sign up for the New Me Challenge. Dig out those I can't do it thoughts and replace them with, wow, this is easy and fun. You can sign up at drlena.com slash new me. That's D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com slash new dash in the middle me. Have a lovely week and see you next week. Goodbye.